guys, welcome back to another episode of Chats in the Blog Cabin. You know, it's the show where I invite people into the virtually into the blog cabin to chat about life. Um, of course, you know who I am. I'm Melissa. And today we're chatting all about relationships with Padma. Padma is a spiritual counselor, mindfulness teacher, and author of Being Together, Practical Wisdom for Loving Yourself and Your Partner. She is passionate about relationships and she's going to be sharing some tools and tips and gems to help people cultivate deeply thriving and loving relationships. So welcome to the show, Padma. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me, Melissa. So now I've given you this, give everybody this brief intro about you. Tell us more about who you are as a person. Well, as a person, I am someone who really loves life, loves nature, loves, loves the journey of being human, I would say. I, the journey of being human is really about evolving and growing and being in a relationship, a partnership, be it a marriage, a partnership with whomever, um, is one of the best ways to grow in my experience. So how did you get into being a spiritual counselor and working about the relationships? How did you kind of zero in on that? Hmm. Well, I've been on the spiritual path for a really long time, since I was uh, 15 years old. So let's just call it 40 years. So for 40 years, I've been exploring what it means to be a spirit in a body. And it started with meditation and just all different kinds of exploration. And I really have been meditating fairly consistently for 40 years because it just is something that grounds me so deeply in myself. Um, and so meditation for me also can take the form from sitting to walking to Qigong to various types of yoga, um, as well as dancing. And I love to dance. Mm -hmm. You asked me about myself as a person and I do love to dance. And so relating is a dance. Relating is a dance of giving and receiving. And so how I got into being a spiritual counselor was from being on the spiritual path and having the gift of being able to, um, yeah, learn from some really amazing teachers and be able to hold very deep space for people and kind of meander around in their hearts and souls with them. It's a very honorable uh, vocation for me. And relationship, I just feel like it's the final frontier. Mm -hmm. You know, so many of us get married or in, or in committed partnerships and so many of us get divorced. I mean, mm -hmm. I've been divorced once. I mean, I know so many people who have been divorced and uh, the divorce rate in this country, the United States is super high and I think getting higher. So for me, relationship is a place to do a lot of growing and a lot of healing and to be able to rest in yourself even more deeply and have somebody who's gonna give you some reflections and say, hey, that's kind of out of line. What are you doing over there? You know, <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't feel good. Please don't talk to me that way. Yeah. So let's talk about relationships. How can we cultivate deep relationships? Because a lot of people don't want to put the work in now. They want to, as soon as a problem arises, like we're done, we're out. Totally. I know. It's like relationships or, or humans are disposable. It's that whole thing of just like swiping on the apps. Like, oh yeah, no, not that one, not that one. And the same thing. You know, I think what you said is really important, Melissa. It's you got to be able, you got to be willing 
to be uncomfortable and do some work. People ask me, because I'm with my partner now, I've been in various relationships over my lifetime, and with this partner, my current partner, um, it'll be three years this month, which isn't that long, and yet we've lived together kind of from the get-go. Mm. So I feel like you have to really be willing to do the work, and people ask me, so how's it going? And I say, well, we're doing well, and it takes work. It takes work. It takes acceptance. I feel like to be in a healthy relationship, you really have to be willing to look at your own stuff and not just point the mm -hmm. finger and say, you, you, you. It's like, oh, me, what am I doing over here? What am I doing? What am I not doing? And am I wanting you to be different than you are? Because that's going to be a, that's going to create a problem. <laughs> that totally. And that's a lot of people don't want to look at themselves. So what do you say to their people that are like, they want to point the finger to it being everybody else but their self's fault? What do you mm -hmm. say to them? Well, what do I say to them? I mean, I say my, my image I got is when I'm like this, I go like this. Oh, what about me? Like, let mm -hmm. me experience myself. Let me slow it down. Let me pause. Actually, often one of my greatest assignments um, or invitations to the people that I work with, be it individuals or couples, is pause. Find a way to pause, slow down. Um, I also work with a lot of embodiment practices, mindfulness practices, slow down and feel what's going on. If I'm all ramped up and contracted, I'm not fit for a conversation. Mm -hmm. I'm not fit for relating. And so I tell them, slow down, breathe, and feel what's happening. And then re-enter the conversation when you're calm. So basically, sometimes it may take days for you to be able to re-enter that conversation because you're still st stewed up over it, correct? It could take days. And the more, in my experience, the more we work on ourselves, that um, time gets quicker. You know, and, and I mean, I have worked with people and, and sometimes they were stewing for days. And then after doing their inner work, after finding ways to notice, because the thing is, and I'll just bring this in, is that if you can notice what you're doing, there's sort of an architecture to a reaction, let's say. Mm -hmm. First this happens, then this happens, then I think, and then I start blaming, say, and judging, or I pull back shut down. What am I doing? So if I'm aware of that architecture of my own reactive patterning, what can I do? I can stop. I can interrupt it and actually have a fresh response. But if I don't do that and then I just go round and round and loop my thoughts, I'll probably be in it for days. So how do we break that not loop to loop and loop and loop and loop your thoughts? How do we break that pattern? That's such a good question. Um, you pay attention. You pay attention. You do what I said. So, so here, right? We could pause for a minute. Would you be willing to do that? Can we just pause for a couple breaths? Okay, great. Thank you. So if we pause, if you pause, what do you notice in your hands? What physical sensation is happening in your hands? Maybe in the palms, maybe it's tingling or pulsing or coolness. What do you notice? That's a real question for you, Melissa. 
Actually, I noticed my ring digging into my finger because I'm holding my hands like this. <laughs> uh -huh. Okay, great awareness. That is an excellent example, right? I noticed my ring digging into my finger. Well, because you're noticing it, you can either just be like, you can, you can, because little things like that can start to create a little frustration or annoyance, even though it might be subtle. So when we notice something, notice my ring digging in to my finger a little bit, I can either say, that's okay, doesn't bother me, or I can, you know, wiggle my hands a little bit and give my fingers some space. So when we have mindful awareness, we can stop doing the things that we're doing that are creating problems. And my guess, or my guess slash my experience is, we do the same things over and over. And lo and behold, we get the same problematic result. Mm -hmm. So wouldn't it be wonderful to interrupt that cycle and then get a different response? Wow. So let's talk about your book because you wrote a book called Being Together, Practical Wisdom for Loving Yourself and Your Partner. So what made you decide to write this book? Well, you know, I looked around me. I looked at myself and I said, you're struggling in relationship. Like I think of myself as a pretty conscious person. I've been doing my inner work for a long time. I pay attention and I still was having problems. So I thought I'm having problems. I looked around me. I saw a lot of people having issues. And like you said, people just hopping in and out of relationships and getting divorced or just really just scratching the surface of what it means to kind of stay with another person. If it's healthy, I mean, I just want to say that if it's, if it's unhealthy, if there's any sort of abuse, you get out of there. Don't stick around for that. But if, you know, you're just kind of bumping into each other and each other's patterning and probably each other's, you know, childhood hurts, you can, you can hang out there. So I looked around and I said, who's having a great, what I would call a great relationship. And I wanted to find out more. And I, I just felt like this is really important because this is a place where you can grow. It's a place where you can heal deeply. And yet if you hop out too soon, you miss out on that, you miss the boat. So that's what inspired me to write the book because I was struggling. I looked around and I saw so many people struggling and I had to fish through the people that I know in my world to see who's really doing it. And these are relationships that are 20 years, 20 years plus. I want to see people who had stuck it out and were happy. Is there one, per one particular relationship that really like, one you want to emulate for you? Um, you know, I, in a way, I mean, they're all, each one in the book of the couples that I interviewed, um, there are so many people that have amazing, they all have amazing relationships in different ways. I would almost say, you know, there's, it's a composite, um, a little bit from this one, a little bit from that one. And um, my dear friends, uh, Gabriella and Solomon, I would say that's a relationship that I'd like to emulate, that I do, because they have clear communication, they have fun, they have each other's backs, they go deep, they don't skip over the stuff that's hard, they don't skip over everything. One thing, one piece that I really um, am practicing in my life 
is communicating. It's pretty hard to over communicate. It's really easy to under communicate. And if you can really let it go, okay, great, let it go. But if you can't, and you're sort of like stacking it up and keeping score and keeping a little sack of frustrations, annoyances, and resentments, I say, dump that sack out and see what's in there. And the best is if you can, um, you know, just keep the air clear. So they do that really, really well. And, and there's a lot of space and a lot of acceptance. I mean, these are some of the things, these are some of the tips and tools, I would say, for having a healthy relationship. So where did you go about finding the couples to interview for, for research for your book? Mm, good question. Well, I am someone who um, has lived deeply. So I not, know a lot of deep people. And I kind of looked through my world. I looked through my world and just said, who do I know? Who do I know who has a really awesome relationship? And not even necessarily, I mean, some of the people I'm very close to and some of the people a little less so, but over the course of a lifetime, I've seen people. Um, I did not, you know, interview. I interviewed people from all generations, I would say. Not, of course, really young people because they haven't had time to um, stick it out that long. So I just searched through my um, Rolodex, for anyone who remembers a Rolodex, of amazing people, <laughs> amazing couples. Was there anyone that were, were like hesitant to be involved in the project or were there ones that were like immediately, yes, I'm on board, I see what you're doing. I oh, there were definitely people that were hesitant that did not end up in the book. And there were interviews I did with people that also didn't end up in the book or they ended up in the book just as like a little sliver that I wove in. Maybe didn't even put them in by name, but just a, an idea or something that they had spoken to broadly. And I thought that's really wonderful. So uh, what you get in the book is relationships through my own experience. So my own narrative is in there, interviews with couples who I have decided have wonderful relationships. And I also looked to research and I kind of wove it all together and you see it through the lens of me, of this sort of sum total of my life experience of meditation and dance and travel and kind of how I've lived and all of my training as a counselor. I love that. And you talked about all your training as a counselor. Let's talk about the training because obviously you have to have some type of training. So what kind of training did you have through all this? Hmm. Well, you know, um, it's interesting. It's a really, it's kind of a fun question because I am a minister, a non-denominational minister. So I do my work under the umbrella of ministry because it really is soul work and heart work and relationship is definitely heart and soul. <laughs> so I have training in ministry. I have training in, oh, so many things. I mean, really, um, the body. I've been a student of embodiment and the body for my whole life, really. 
as well as hypnotherapy and neurolinguistic programming and the Enneagram and all of the years of um, working for different brilliant people and supporting them and just really, yeah, I've lived my life. And having done, written this book, which is now coming up on a year ago, um, I feel like I have a PhD in relationships, even though my master's is actually in education. <laughs> so I learned a ton and it was really fun to be in that, um, that zone of studying and kind of devouring information, synthesizing and reflecting on it, and then scanning my life for things that would, that would fit in really well. So it was, a, it was a highly creative process. I would say writing a book, if you want to write a book, go for it. It's a ton of work and it's amazingly creative. So let's talk about writing the book. How long did it take you to compile the research? And then once you got the research, to sit down and write it to where you got to publish it? Well, it was actually a pretty, I mean, I wanna just say the research is the research of my whole life, okay. right? Of my whole life, of the clients I've worked with, of all, you know, of how I've lived. So it's, it's a lot more than what was um, about a year, actually, to do the whole process, which is pretty fast. And I was part of a um, group called the Creators Institute, which is out of Georgetown University, uh, which was started by a, an amazing professor called uh, Eric Custer. And so you can check that out if you're someone who might want to write a book. It's a, it's a sort of like they break down the steps and then you have a community of people that you're, everybody's writing together and it's growing and growing. When I did it, there were about 60 people, not everybody published, but most people did. And the, the statistic on it is actually that only, how many people, let's just take a guess before I um, say it. What percentage of people that start books do you, would you wager uh, finishes them? I would say five to 10%. No, that's a good guess. Two, 2% 2 wow. of people. And I had actually started another book about parenting about my raising my daughter and um and then i didn't finish it so i thought well let's get into a structure i'm a big fan of structure which to sort of like stitch it back to relationships having structures in your relationship is really helpful i have structures with my partner i mean if you're running a household people do people you know we share the work, right? So we have structures of who does what. We have structures of ways that we communicate. So the structure of writing a book was very helpful for me. And I thought the program was great. So do you think you'll go back and finish the parenting book or no? No. <laughs> You're like, no. <laughs> My daughter's a teenager. Like whatever I wrote. I mean, actually, a lot of that material um, I had published on social media as I wrote it. I wrote it as blog posts mm. and then it was people found it really interesting and rich and I thought, oh, I can put this all together and, and make a book as so many people do. Mm -hmm. um, and I even worked with a wonderful uh, book editor, you know, person and it just didn't happen. So I just think with writing a book, you have to be really committed. And then the, what I'll say about it is you have to be committed 
as I'm now here a year into it and having recorded the audiobook, and I'm almost done with a workbook and that will be the third in the series of um, resources about relationships. Um, you have to be willing to talk about it. I mean, I actually love talking about it. I really have fun on podcasts. I'm having fun with you, Melissa. And um, yeah, so you have to be willing to talk about it. So that's why I'm not going to complete that book on, on parenting because I parenting is not where I'm not passionate enough about it to talk about it. I'm passionate about being a mother. My daughter is my greatest joy. Um, and I, I'm not a parenting expert. I love that because a lot of times people think, oh, they're a parenting expert and they're really not. And they're telling, <laughs> they're telling things and you're like, no, that would never fly in my house. I mean, I have three girls. They're ages 26 through 19. And what worked with the one did not work with the other one. So mm -hmm. exactly. And girls, I mean, the thing about about kids is you just have to keep updating to where they're at because it changes really quickly. Yeah, for sure. So what else is up for you? Are you planning on writing another book later on? Or is there another book in you? Or do you think? There might be. It's not at the top of my docket. Um, I'm completing this workbook. So that's that's happening. And then my next project is, um, is an online course that'll be partially recorded and partly also have a live component. And you'll get to really work through um, you know, how to have a great relationship. First, ferreting out what are the issues that you're having. Well, first of all, are we in? Because that's a really important piece in a relationship. You know, we have, there are lots of ways to be in relationship and there are open relationships and there are, there are all these variations. Um, and if you're, for me, if you're in a relationship, are you all in? Mm -hmm. Are you committed? Because that's where things really start to get good because people can relax. It's kind of like if the floor, we rewatched the first Harry Potter movie the other day and they have those moving staircases mm -hmm. in, in Hogwarts. It's like, you can't really trust it because the staircases are all moving. So it's kind of like that in a relationship. You wanna have a staircase that you know where the staircase is, you know when you, you put your foot there, it's gonna be there. You know that when something happens, your, your partner's gonna be there. Mm -hmm. And because otherwise it's very hard to trust and be vulnerable and really go into the deeper places that then have such, um, yield such high rewards. Yes. And on that note, we need to take a quick break and we will come right back. And this, honestly, I want to talk about being vulnerable because a lot of people really don't want to be vulnerable with anybody in their relationship. So let's take a brief commercial break. Do you feel betrayed by life, your body, or by someone that you love? You are not alone and you are not weak or overly emotional for feeling the way that you do. Betrayal is one of the most overwhelmingly painful experiences to navigate because it strikes at the core of who you are and what you are worth. No matter how gutted you feel, there is hope. You can flourish, not in spite of your experience, but because of it, I know. After 23 years of marriage, my world was shattered when I found out that my husband had been cheating on me with five different women for 15 years. I lost everything that day, my identity, my worth, 
and the future I had worked so hard to create. While it was a long and arduous journey back to myself, today I know who I am, what I want, and I am happier and more confident than I ever was before. I've got what I call naked self-worth, which is the ability to see, know, and love yourself for who you are, not for what you accomplish or for who you are in relation to others. No matter what has shattered your heart, if you're ready to get clear on who you are, what you want, and to learn how good life really can be, then life choreography is for you. Even if you feel too old or are too busy because you have kids at home and you're in charge of everything, Life Choreography is a comprehensive five-month, five-step program that empowers you to strip out of your labels, roles, and scripts, and to reveal yourself as you are, not as you think you should be. To learn more, go to NakedSelfWorth.com and download your free guide that shows you how to untangle yourself from the past. Reclaim your sexy and start re-choreographing life on your own terms so you can love and be loved for exactly who you most authentically are. And we're back chatting with Padma. Um, Let's talk about being vulnerable because a lot of people don't want to be vulnerable in relationships. How can we make it easier so that we can actually show who we truly are? Mm, so important. And it's, I love that. Actually, that commercial was perfect segue mm-hmm. because it's, it's really about trust. Building trust in your relationship, which starts with, and I'll just say this, that re- the relationship begins with yourself. Mm-hmm. It's really about how you are with yourself that then allows you to be with others. So building that sense of self-worth and trust and connection to yourself, which includes your body, includes your heart, includes your mind, and having practices that really stabilize you in yourself because you, you are one part of the relationship. So when you come together and you're in alignment with yourself, because to, to be vulnerable, you have to be able to trust and to read the other person. What's going on with them? Like, are they, are they shifty? Are they playing some games with me? Are they telling the truth? You have to be able to know. You have to have a, what I like to call an inner compass. Really being connected to your inner compass and then building trust and being willing to slowly, slowly um, show more and more of yourself. And when I say show more and more of yourself, you're showing the good stuff and you're showing what is often called the shadow side too. Yeah, that's true. Let's talk about some tips that people can do that don't really want to be vulnerable, that they don't want to share because they're afraid of rejection. Mm, Yeah, it's so tender. It's so tender because when we're in relationship, what is it that shows up really? It's what shows up is all of the stuff we, the good stuff and maybe the less functional stuff we learned in our families, mm-hmm. right? What did we learn growing up? And so 
maybe one thing that you can do that I like to do and here my hand immediately went to my heart is if you're scared and I really I speak to this in the book too and if you if you come into a moment where you feel like I don't know if you've ever had it but I've certainly have it where it feels like I can't breathe and my throat starts kind of almost closing and I and maybe I get like a little sadness behind my eyes and I just feel protected I feel like I want to protect myself because it's scary to speak up so first of all, I want to say to you, your voice matters. Mm. If you're going to be in a relationship, speak up. Just speak up and maybe do it in increments. So what you can do if you're scared is comfort that part of you that's scared. So maybe just putting a hand on your heart, taking some deep breaths, and then see what you need that part of you that's scared needs to hear. Often I'll just say, I got you. I got you. I'm right here. It's really, it's, it's simple. And yet it's, it's quite profound. And this is a practice you can do whether you're in a relationship or not, because there are lots of scary things that we encounter as we navigate the world. So just really being with yourself and holding, just holding yourself for a minute it could just be like one minute, set your timer on your phone for one minute, or just take, I don't know, three to five deep breaths and let yourself know that you're there. And this is actually something that you can do just maybe morning and evening when you wake up, just put your hands on your heart and just let that those parts that are tender know that you're right there. And then you're practicing and you're also creating um, a neural pathway in the brain to, mm -hmm. oh, someone's here, I'm safe. And you can feel your own hands. You can feel the weight the temperature of your hands because then you give it um, a somatic or a body anchor. So that's a great thing to do if you're scared. I mean, another thing to do if you're in a relationship and it's, it's somebody you trust, you can just let your partner know, I'm scared. Yeah. You can actually just say, I'm a little scared right now or I'm a lot scared right now. And you wanna set that up beforehand that this is something we offer to each other. We allow each other to say, I'm scared or I'm, I'm tapped out. This is not a good time for me. Um, and that's something that I like to call um, assessing your capacity. What's your capacity for relating? And I'll tell you, if someone, I don't know what many of us are working from home now, but if you're like, if you're at the end of your day, and somebody walks in the door or they've just gotten off of their computer from work, that's not a good time to bring something up. Nope. Definitely not. <laughs> They're tired, they need a break, they need a snack, they need to take a walk, whatever they need to do. So assessing the timing, assessing your own capacity and also your partner's capacity. Are they available for this? And also setting it up ahead of time that we actually, there's room to tell each other, this is where I'm at right now. It's not about you, this is where I'm at, which is where being connected to yourself and the inner compass and all the signs and signals that are coming through your body um, are very useful. Yeah, that's very important that you you phrase it, this is where I'm at, because a lot of people will take it like you're attacking them when you're like, no, 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 this is where I'm at, this is where I'm coming from, this is how I feel, not you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. Exactly. It's very important to take responsibility. When I, when I start blaming and judging and you, 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 that's a good time to be quiet. 
<laughs> don't say another word. And I, and actually, if you're having a moment of agitation or friction between you, don't say anything. Just mm -hmm. say, I mean, you can, I, I say this in the book, there's, we have a practice and I think this practice is really useful. It's code word apple, have a code word. It doesn't have to be apple, it could be like sneaker, could be just some neutral word. <clears throat> so if we're getting into conflict, we have a code word, code word apple. Apple means I'm at my capacity, I need a break, I love you, I'll be back when I'm calm. I love that. It means all that and then I just go. It's not a time when I could be vulnerable if I'm saying you, you, you and blaming or just completely shutting down. So having, um, having these are structures. These are things you can work with. What happens if the partner forgets the code word? <laughs> <laughs> then you, it's good if your partner's someone who might not be good with code words, you can have a signal, okay. you know, or you can just be like, Apple. Apple, apple. You know? <laughs> Sometimes we do that. There are certain subjects that we have boundaries around. And so we just go boundary, boundary, you know, because why do I want to go down that road? If we know where it goes, that's where we get back to the looping thing. I don't need to keep looping, you know, but I just want to return to vulnerability for a moment is that's where the intimacy really opens up the intimacy of heart to heart, where you really feel like, oh, somebody's there. Because basically, as human beings, we wanna be seen and heard. And so offering someone the, your complete attention, you don't have to be a big meditator or, you know, I mean, if you do meditation or prayer every day, that's wonderful. In my opinion, it's extremely helpful. And all that someone really needs, your partner really needs, is to know you're right there. They don't need you to fix them or change or, you know, that's another agreement that could be great is let's ask each other if we want the other's advice. Because if we don't ask, because sometimes I'll say to my partner, honey, I just need you to listen right now. Are you open to that? Are you available for that? And if he says no, I say, okay, <laughs> I'll catch you later. Like, okay, then I'm not gonna open up to you right now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's checking, that's testing the waters. Is there space? And a lot of times less is more. Just your attention. You don't even need to say anything. Mm. That is Sometimes. So true. That is so true. So let's, so much drop, so much wisdom. Is there mm. one little last nugget that you wanna to drop to people? Mm. No, really just say that, listen, just listen, listen from the inside out, listen and really pay attention to yourself and pay attention to your partner. Because if you're listening, you'll notice the difference between a true response and an old tape that you're running because it comes with a certain kind of signature to it. So uh, often I feel like it's a little sticky. Mm -hmm. It's sticky or it's prickly. It's just, it's just so familiar. So notice what's familiar and notice what's alive and fresh. And it might be a little scary because it's new. So be willing to venture into the unknown 
with yourself together. Yeah, I love how you talk about how you've got to be comfortable with your own self before you can be comfortable in a relationship. Because a lot of people think that when they go into relationships, that's going to fix who they are, but it's not. It just makes it worse, correct? Yeah, yeah. You you definitely want to work on yourself. And that said, you don't have to be like done working on yourself. If you're waiting, if you say, oh, well, once I'm at this stage, once I'm at this stage, then I'll, I'll open up, you're probably ready. There are times, certainly, when it's really good to be on your own and just put all your attention into, you know, growing yourself. But you don't have to be perfect. None of us are perfect. None of us are perfect, and we're all perfect, just as we are. <laughs> now, that brings me up to another question. What about those people who think they cannot be alone, that they have to be in a relationship? Hmm. Well... Um, it's good to be able to stand on your own two feet, I would say. I think that's a misunderstanding. And, and to just take some time to discover your own wholeness, which you can do while you're in relationship, most likely. But I'm, I'm a big fan of people. It's like, if you, if you imagine, here, I'll see if I can do it. All right. If you imagine you're standing back to back with somebody, and you're giving a certain amount, I'm gonna do it forward because that's uncomfortable. Um, you're, so you put a little pressure, right? If you're leaning on somebody, you don't wanna lean so much that you're gonna like flop them over. And you don't wanna lean away because otherwise they can't really feel that you're there, kind of checking like, are you there? Are you there with me, mm -hmm. right? So what if you're standing on your own two feet and you're meeting in the center, you're in the center of yourself and then you're meeting so that if I step away, you're still standing, standing. right? You're still That's standing. Insane. So just to check, oh, am I leaning on my partner so much? Am I telling myself I can't do this? I don't know how to do this. Now, there's some things you don't know how to do. Some things I don't know how to do. My partner is in tech. When there's certain computer things to do, I just say, honey, can you please help me with this? Because I know, could I figure it out? Could I spend two hours Googling and figuring it out, probably. Would it be a good use of my time? Most definitely not. So, you know, learning to trust yourself, learning to um, sense your own worth is one of the big things that actually contributes to a healthy relationship. Otherwise, you're, you're always thinking, oh, I need something from you. I need something from you. And, you know, that, like, that, that, movie line like you complete me you're already whole they just add so much goodness to your world that you're already complete so spending some time and energy and inquiry on wow let me just discover and my whole and get some help you know get some counseling get some spiritual guidance from your at your church from a trained professional from wherever you're called so our time is almost up. Can you tell people where they can find you at and the name of your book again as well? Sure, thank you. Uh, you can contact me through my website, which is my name, podmagordon.com. And there it is on screen, thank you. Uh, so you can contact me there. I'd love, to, I'd love to meet you. I offer free exploratory sessions. So you can sign up for one of those if you're interested, whether you're an individual or a couple, I work with both. 
Um, you can also find me, all my social links, I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn and um, Instagram. Yep, there are all the links, thank you. And the name of my book is Being Together, Practical Wisdom for Loving Yourself and Your Partner. And you can get it on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And I did record it uh, myself as an audiobook, so you can also get it on Audible, which is mm -hmm. really fun. If you're not as much of a reader, you're more of a reader listener. And keep your eye out for um, the workbook. The workbook is coming soon. It should be out this summer, definitely. It's almost complete. And then if you're interested in doing my online course, please just uh, send me a note and say I'm interested because I'd love to talk with you more about it. Okay. Uh Padma, I want to thank you so much for coming on and chatting about relationships. I've learned a lot in this brief session, so mm. I can't wait to see what else you come up with later. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, thank you so much. It was really fun to be with you, Melissa, and to be here on Chats from the Blog Cabin. I enjoyed it. All right, guys, we will see you on the next Chat from the Blog Cabin. Have a great day. Y'all, I hope you got some valuable tips from the conversation I had with Padma about relationships. I think the most important thing about relationships is being vulnerable. And I love how she gave us the code word. Like you're in the midst of an argument with your spouse or your partner or whatever, or even a friend. You can have a code word, say apple, banana, whatever, so that you know, hey, I need time to cool off. You're not backing away from the conversation. You're not walking away and being mad. You're walking away so that you can have a more important conversation later. Um, I will drop the link where you can find more um, about Padma and her books. And I really want to thank you guys for watching. Please like, subscribe, leave a rating and review wherever you're watching. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you're hitting subscribe on YouTube if you're going over there and watch the the visual or if you're listening please subscribe and share it with your friends especially with um, any particular podcast that really resonates with you please share as always be blessed and remember keep chatting <laughs>